My goodness me, what a welcome. Anyway, you know, it is all glory to God. I just, you know, God has been so, so kind to me. So kind to me. You know, God is who he says he is in his word. He's a faithful God. He's, he's a father to the fatherless and he's a husband to the widow. He, he's everything. He's a provider of, you know, all things. Uh, you know, he overshadows us. He, he's just amazing. You know, we used to say about um, his presence, you know, makes the feast. And that's what it's been today, his presence, his presence. You know, without his presence. And uh, we, this morning, Tony turned to me and said about his word was going to be on the presence of God. And I said, oh, my word is about the presence of God. You know, but isn't it amazing that God can speak to us in that way? Now everything dovetails together. And, um, and so I want to really speak about that. That's the theme through it. But I've got um, nuggets in. I'm, I'm using my iPad. I'm very brave. <laughs> using the iPad. So Vicky, yes, you know. I've come up into the modern era <laughs> using the iPad. Okay, so um, yes, you know, God loves us. That's the main thing. Let's remember that God really loves us. No matter where you're at, he loves you. He died, his son died for each of us to know freedom. Amen. And so today um, I want to really start with uh, right at the beginning in the book of Genesis and um you know, Adam knew what it was to walk with God. He'd walk with God in the cool of the evening. He was in such fellowship with God. And, and then through disobedience, he lost the presence. And then in Genesis 3, um, verse 10, God said to Adam, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And God knew exactly uh, where Adam was, what his position was. But he asked the question to give Adam the opportunity to be honest with God and also to be honest with himself. Where are you? God is saying today, where are you? Well, I, I'm in here. Yes, we're in here. And everything looks fine on the outside. But where are you? I need to be, I need, you know, to be truthful with my, myself, bring truth to myself. Where am I? Where am I in my relationship with God? Because it is the truth that sets us free. And a life not lived with a clear conscience and satisfied mind becomes its own nightmare. And God is asking us the same question. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ today? Do you know what it is to be in him, to be you know, come out of darkness into light. Are you in Christ today? Are you in peace in your mind? Are you in peace this day? Or are you troubled? And Proverbs 14 says, There is a path that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. The end is where you don't want to find yourself. But notice it says, seems right. Seems right, that means putting what we think is right over what God tells us in his word is right. It seems right, but is it right? Have we turned to the word of God? Have we been in prayer? Is it right 
It might be what I want, but the end thereof is not where I want to be. I want to be right. I want to be right with God. I want to be in that place. I know I'm right with God through the precious blood of Jesus. But I want always to know that constant, you know, leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. We're told in the word of God to take every thought captive that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we're to make it obedient unto Christ. Is there something in your heart? Is there something in my heart which is stopping me or you enjoying the fellowship with God that you once had? You no longer sense his presence. And that could simply be due to a disappointment because things haven't turned out the way you ex expected. And therefore, you, you, your thoughts are all for, you know, focused on yourself. You're in self-pity. You're disappointed. Well, this is, you know, when I said I would, I, this is not what I expected. You know, troubles come our way. They do come our way. But let me tell you that God is in control if we allow him to be, if we allow him to be. And it could be that, you know, you're expected a promotion and it hasn't happened, you've been sidelined, and then what happens? Sadly, sometimes people become bitter. Someone's wronged you, and you can't find it in your heart to forgive them. It's all still fresh in your mind, or it could be something that's a long-standing matter. You know, all these things can be blockages, blockages, you know, in, in, in sensing the presence of God, of enjoying all that God has for us, to be able to just taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, there's nothing more beautiful and more wonderful than that. You know, when you've been in, you know, um, situations and, and you're feeling drained and like Tony said, he just sat in the presence of God and he just drank, he just drank through the word and you just think, Lord, sometimes I say to the Lord, Lord, you can take me now. I'm just in that place with you. It's okay, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we've, we've got to take responsibility, not only for our actions, but for our thought life too. We're told to think on those things that are pure that are honest, that are good, that will build us up in our faith. And yet we let our thoughts go on and on and on and they take us down roads and, we, and then we're feeling depressed and we think, wow, how have I got here? How have I got here? Because I just let it go on and on and on because the old devil doesn't want me concentrating, you know, on those things that God has for me. You know, for those things that are already there and I can take a hold of and, and allow it, you know, to develop in my life and grow in grace with God. So let's just have a look at Luke 24. Um, get the right way up. So the background to this particular uh, passage is Jesus has just been crucified and on that first day of the week, the women went to the tomb. And they found the tomb was empty. And as they're looking in the tomb, two angels appeared to them and they said, Why seek ye the living? Why are you seeking the living 
amongst the dead. He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, that he would rise on the third day? And they remembered that was so. Yes. So then they left the house and they ran to where the disciples were and told them everything that had happened. He's not there. There's no body. The tombs be rolled away and the angels have been to us and the angels have said, and so I think it was Peter and John ran as quick as they could to the tomb. And yes, everything the women had said had happened. You know, they should have been super happy, but were they super happy? To me, they seemed to be bewildered. In fact, two of them said, we're leaving. We're leaving. We're off. How sad. They walked away and headed for Emmaus. It was as though they couldn't face the reality of what had happened. Instead, they turned away from the very place that they should have stayed in. Have you ever done that? Yes. So in Luke 24, verse 13 to 16, it says, well, verse 13, yes, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, clear past, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that has happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man of Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told him Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Just as the women had said. You know, Emmaus was about seven miles from Jerusalem, and as we see there on the way they were talking all about it, they were just consumed with it all. And yes, it left Jerusalem a great disappointment because Jesus, you know, in their mind, he was going to be the king, he was going to deal with the Romans, this was going to be the change of everything for them. But that wasn't going to happen. And in verse 17, here's Jesus who died on the cross, and he's walking with them, right alongside them, asking them what has happened, he's there. And they're explaining to him, but 
They never recognized him. They never sensed his presence. Why was that? Well, I believe the clue is in verse 25 to 27. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you who find it hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Explained the scriptures to us. Oh, foolish. Oh, foolish. You're so overcome with everything. You need to open yourself up to hear my voice. I'm right here in the midst of it all. In the midst of this nightmare, as it were, that some of you may even be going through. Everything you and I need, you know, will come through the revelation of the Word of God. And the problem is never the Word of God, but our lack of response to the Word of God. What does it say? What does it say? Let's look in the Word. Within the Word, there's a Word for you. There's a Word for me. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a Word for you right now. Right now, there's a Word for you. and There's a Word for me. So let's think about ourselves. Things don't always go the way that, you know, that we want them to. You know, we envisage, you know, lots of dreams. We've got all these things. But you know what? We've got to go through other things to get to those things. But we want to go from A to B just like that. So we've got choices. We've got two choices. What, we, what do we do when, it, when we're in these situations? We can stay in faith, still believing, holding on. It is written. It is written. Your word says, and I believe it, and that settles it. It's written. Or we can run away from the situation. That place where God has chosen us to be. And that's hard. That's hard at times. It's that place where God has chosen to work his plan out for your life. And many have run away from it. Because they've let emotions. They've let things that they've heard. They've let things that they said get in the way of actually being obedient to God and remaining in peace no matter what, and holding on to the word, holding on to that that God's given you within yourself. Yeah. And I've had a lot, you know, of um, disappointments and um, great sadness regarding my family and friends. And there have been times where 
really. I haven't, in that sense, um, known what to do. I've not known what to do. I've been so heartbroken. But on each occasion, I have known his presence is with me. I've known it. No matter what distress I've been in, I've known it. And I've determined in my heart, and by the grace of God, not to be moved, but to keep my trust in Jesus. By the grace of God. You know, I mentioned grace. And I really feel I've had a fresh revelation of what grace really means. Grace is not only something given to us by God that we don't deserve, but it's God himself infused into our life to be our life supply. Are you unable to face a certain situation? God will come in and stand with you and face it with you. That's grace. Are you feeling weak? God will be your strength. That's grace. You know, the Apostle Paul had an infirmity and he'd asked God three times if he would remove it. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. I really understand that now. I'm in it with you, Paul. You're an overcomer in me, Paul. I really understand it. I really understand why he could accept that. My grace is sufficient for you. Notice in the passage we read, Jesus joined himself to the disciples and walked with them. You know, it's difficult. Maybe you might find one. It's difficult to find in Scripture another instance where it says that the Lord walked with people. Whenever it does say this, it means you are going downwards. You are descending from Jerusalem to Emmaus. However, when we walk with him, we are going upwards. We are going upwards. Praise God. There's been times when it's been a downwards, but praise God, we're walking upwards with him. Praise Lord. Is that where you're at today? And it's as though Jesus is saying here, okay, you're on the wrong path, but I will have to go with you in order to bring you back. Jesus never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always with us. And God does love us just as we are, but, there's a but here, that doesn't mean he approves of every part of our lives. Sometimes we can take grace the wrong way. We can, you know what? But no, we've got to remember, he doesn't always approve of everything that we are doing. You know, think of some of the places we've requested frequented even after becoming a Christian or maybe are still frequenting those places. Think of some of the television programs we watch which aren't appropriate. Let's ask ourselves a question. Is this where Jesus wants to be? 
because he never leaves us and he never forsakes us and he knows everything. He said, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Where's your heart today? The scripture says, son, daughter, give me your heart. Well, Lord, I know you. Yes, I know you know you, me. But son, what, what is it that's keeping you back from holding, you know, coming into that full fellowship with me? Son, give me your heart. You know, there was a man in the Old Testament and his name was Enoch. And he was the great-grandfather of Noah. Now, everybody will know Noah, even if you've never heard of Enoch. Now, it's said of Enoch that he walked with God and was not because God took him, meaning he didn't literally die. He walked with God so closely, God just reached down. He was so there, he just took him. He enjoyed Enoch enjoyed God's presence day by day. So what does it mean to walk with God? It's to take God as our center and to allow him to be Lord over all our lives. Not, okay, God, you can have this little bit, and, but you know what? I'm keeping this bit for me. No, it, to walk with God is to allow him to be Lord over all our lives. And I would throw out the question today, is he your saviour, first of all? But if he is your saviour, I'm throwing out the question, is he your Lord? What that means is that we're not to do things according to our own concept and desire. When he's Lord, we do things according to his revelation and his will. And it's painful sometimes because the old flesh is saying, oh, I want this. Oh, oh no, oh, I'll miss out. No, you won't miss out. You know, anything you give up for the Lord, my goodness, he gives you over yeah. and above. Over in every area of your life. You've heard the wonderful testimony about the finance, in the area of finance, but it's in every area of our lives. Didn't Jesus say to his disciples, didn't he say, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There are things in our lives that need to come to the cross for the cross to deal with. I don't think that Enoch was just taken up like that, you know, suddenly. Come on, I love you. No, you know, it wasn't like that. Nor walked upward with God day and night for more than 1,000 days because they lived a long, long time in the Old Testament. It was little by little, each day drawing a little bit closer to the heart of God. You know, and if we're in that place with God, we're being transformed daily. We're being renewed in our mind daily. Things are taking place and we're not always aware of it. But that's what's happening. I'm not the person I was 12 months ago, I hope. I hope because of the greater revelation I've received, the greater warmth and, and of his love upon me. Um, and in ancient times, you know, God's um, presence was always manifested in the cloud by day 
and a pillar of fire by night. So what do, they, do these two things mean to you and me? Well, several passages in Scripture show us that the cloud is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. His presence is realized in me, in my spirit. Did you know we have a spirit, we have a soul, and we're in a body? We're a trinity, right? But it's in the spirit, in my spirit, where God dwells. And then out of my spirit, as I allow him to, as I subject myself to the word of God, well, then he starts to work changing those things, those attitudes, those wrong thoughts in my soul life. And then that is shown out to everyone through the body, as it were. And I remember when the Lord spoke to me, it was a time, again, my husband had gone to be with the Lord and there was no pastor and 12 months had gone on. We had missionaries in the Philippine Islands. They'd been out there 10 years and I thought maybe he would come back. And he said, phoned me and said, Tina, it's, it's not us. We've still got a work to do. And you know what? Praise God, that work is going on and on in the Philippine Islands and beyond Cambodia, all the different countries, you know, from that work. It's just amazing what's happening. And as Jean and Steve went, not really knowing where they were going, they went on the word of God. God opened it up. They ended up teaching in a Bible school. They ended up, they go up in the mountains where it's so dangerous. And they're still ministering to the saints and they're still teaching pastors. And, and Jean was telling me the other day, she said that there's a, a Bible school opening in Liverpool in September by a Filipino and it's come full circle. We, I always said when they came back Jean, to Jean and Steve, well, perhaps it'll be we'll have a mini Bible school. And it never happened. But guess what? It's going to happen through a Filipino. And it's for the Filipinos. And it's all in the vision. And Jean and Steve are going to write the manuals and, and be part of all of that. And I can just, I feel so humble in his presence. You know, my daughter at this moment and son-in-law, as they were sent out from this church to Romania and the works that have, and what's going on, they're on the way now. Perhaps they've just arrived. They go by road because they take a lot of aid and different things. And their ministry has been a lot to the gypsies. And it's, it's to me, it, it's just amazing. And then in this period of time where there wasn't a pastor and... Um, the Lord really spoke to me, and I was, um, I'd, been, uh, I'd been seeking him, and, and he spoke to me, and he said, listen, I put the vision in you for the work. He said, I want you to protect it, and I want you to step into that pastorship position. Wow. Well, I thought, oh, my goodness me, you know, because I'd been in the brethren where a woman doesn't pray, <laughs> You know, and uh, I just didn't feel at that time comfortable about it because obviously the best is a man and a woman. What a lovely partnership together, and we have that now. So anyway, that next Sunday morning, I just sat in the congregation, and as I was sat there, and I, this word was in me that had got through the word, actually, and um, I felt God again stirring in me and I felt God saying you are to get up now and you've got to get to that pulpit and you've got to tell them 
And if you don't, you'll lose it. And I was fearful. I, I was um, feeling it, the pressure of it. And yet I was more fearful of letting God down. I didn't want to disobey him. So I got up in obedience to his word. And as I spoke, I felt, I felt the presence, the presence of God. It was like a cloak coming on me. I never felt anything like it. But now I can understand in that sense it was the cloud. It was the cloud. And immediately afterwards, it was like it was at the end of the meeting, the atmosphere changed. And the words that I spoke were just like living waters poured out. So what I'm talking about today, I'm talking about the, the actual tangible presence of the Lord. We know God never leaves us. We know, as I've already said, he never forsakes us. But when this happens to us, I think Tony touched on it this morning, this tangible presence, did you feel the presence in the praise and worship? The tangible presence of the Lord? He is always here, but you feel it. And, and, and when that happens, it just brings a peace and a, a rest to your souls. And Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, doesn't it? He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his own name's sake. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's rest. Let's not struggle. Let's stand on the word of God. And you know, God told Moses, he said to him, to lead the children of Israel into the promised land and that his presence would go with him and he would give him rest. What this means is that God was saying, I will bring this people into possession of the land by my presence. By my presence. So what then is the symbol of fire? It was a cloud by day when it was, everybody could see it. Everybody followed the cloud. They were all in the presence of God. So what's this about the pillar of fire by night? Well, again, it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit, just as the cloud is. And sometimes we can find ourselves in dark situations, sometimes of our own making, sometimes not. And then at that time, we can't sense his presence. So it's then we must turn to the word. This word, this word is a living word. It's a living word. It's God's breath. It's God breathed. And in this word is everything. It's a roadmap. It's a roadmap for the way that I can place my feet, the way I can go. I remember when my husband was suffering greatly and I was on my knees before the Lord and it just seemed that God wasn't doing anything. I'd prayed, I'd fasted, I'd done everything and I got this Bible and I just threw it on the bed and I said, I'm not going to read it anymore because I didn't mean it, but it was like, God, you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything. I didn't know what else to do, and I just threw the Bible on the bed, and it opened. And I know I said I wasn't going to read it anymore, but you know what? I looked at it, and it opened at Psalm 77. 
I'll just have a look at that because I'm not going to read it all because we're short of time. I'll have to watch. Knowing the situation where I was in, knowing how I was feeling, the Bible opened here. And the psalmist is saying to God, open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. Sorry. I cry out to you, God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted towards heaven. Yes, I had done. But my soul wasn't comforted. I think of God on a moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. I'm so distressed. And then it says, the psalmist is saying, but I think of the good old days, long since ended, when nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. So he started to think now about what had been. He started to be lifted up. I'm not going to read anymore because of time. He starts, he starts to be lifted up. He starts to remember who God is and what he's already done. He's not going to allow himself to be consumed anymore. And God said to me right at the end there, he said, as he led Moses and Aaron through the Red Sea, I'm leading you. What I've done before, he said, I will do again. And there are times it just seems like night and you can't sense God's presence at all. But I want to tell you, God is with us. He's with us. He makes a way through the wilderness that no man knows of. He works the impossible. You know, he brings healing. Where doctors have said it's not possible. I've seen it. I've known miracles. I've seen a lady get out of a wheelchair as we prayed for her. I've been in it. And not because of me, not because of anything I've done, but all because of the Lord. So where are you? Where am I in my relationship with the Lord? All I want to say is, is he truly, is he truly Lord of your life? Have you truly laid everything down at his feet? Are you truly trusting in him? Are you truly pressing on to the high calling of God? God has so much. He was taking them into the good land. Well, Jesus is our good land. He's our good la land. All the gifts and callings of God that are in that good land. All the wonderful gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what it is to be empowered by the Spirit of God as you come before the throne and just say, Lord, it's got to be all of you. I don't want any more of this. I don't want any more, as it were, dark places where I'm not able to get out of. I just want it all to be of you. Maybe there's things that you need to put right before God today. Maybe there's things you need to go to a brother or sister and say, maybe not in the church anymore, but you need to go and say to them. Or maybe you need to go to someone and say who's not fellowshipping. I think Tony mentioned it this morning. You know what? I really love you. I really care about you. We should never give up. We should never give up. We should be mindful of the body. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. You know, it's all about oneness in the body. 
is about Jesus as the head and we're the extension, we're the expression. What is the purpose in it all? God wants a people who he can be expressed through to the world to show his love, to show his mighty power, to do the things that Jesus did. And we can do those as we step out in faith. He said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He didn't even say pray. He said, lay hands on the sick. But it's only when we're in that place with him, when we're empowered by him, when we know who we are in Christ. Not who Tina Cooper is. I'm nothing without him. I'm nothing. I'm just a vessel like you are. A yielded vessel unto him. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Oh, come. I open my heart up afresh, we can say to God today, in this very moment, what is your need? What is your need? Are you willing to step out? Are you willing to leave those things behind? Are you willing to make adjustments in your life? You know, I love the word. I love the word of God. It's very precious to me. It really is because of the life. It's God speaking to me. I love the word. I am never lonely. I'm not, I'm not just saying it. I'm not super spiritual. I'm not... I just love Jesus. I do. And so I want that to be your portion today. You know, if there's things you need to come, let's just put it right before God. I'll pray with you. The others will pray with you. But maybe it's just you need to come and speak to the Lord yourself. Maybe you need to ask the Lord, Lord, I just open myself up for a greater infilling. Lord, just spread through my whole being today. I just don't want you contained in one little area. I want you spread through me today. I want to be, uh, you know, effective, even greater in the body, to encourage the body, to care for the body, to put plasters on the wounds, to be whatever you want me to be, God. You know, it's it, it, one of the worst things is pride, and the devil uses that so often. You know, put pride underneath our feet. What does it matter? What does it matter if we're never seen? You know, the greatest ministries were told of those things that are not seen. The shaking of a hand, the pat on the shoulder, the arm around. Give him where we can to feed the hungry, to, to clothe those. You know, I'll finish. <laughs> I'll finish there. Amen.